Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney, ladies, gentlemen, brains. Uh, you're at the spot. You're at the location. Your favorite place where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp. There he is. And the responses are never dull. We're in Australia today, brains. We're with Barrington DeMonte. I love that name. He says, call him Barry. I want to call him Barrington <laughs> It's so regal, you know, and it really lends to the character of who he is. Look at that, that grayness. It's a silver fox there. There's some wisdom there. He is a transformational leadership and emotional fitness coach. What is emotional fitness? We're going to ask him about that. He's a consultant and a trainer. Brace, he helps you dig deep to see who you are with inside of yourself. You know, a lot of times you hear these coaches say that they're transformational. Well, sometimes I don't want to be transformed into anything. Sometimes I just want to figure out who I really am at my core. I don't need to change. I just need to be clear and concise about who I am, what my purpose is, what my goal is, and have someone there to facilitate and push me along the way. Barrington has been there. He's done that. He's had a lot of you know, ups and downs of his own, but a lot of training and a lot of success. So let's welcome him to the edge. How are you, Barrington? I am very well, April, and thank you so very much for this wonderful, wonderful opportunity and wonderful gift to have some time with you. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad to have you. I love to, you know, I have a lot of females, but when I get to bring a man to the table who is honest, open, and shows his vulnerability, that's a feather in my cap because a lot of men don't want to discuss that. They, you know, there's a certain amount of, uh, I don't know, mochismo. They want to be macho. They don't want to let people see them with their guards down, but you've done a lot of work. You've done a lot of self-development work. Tell us where your journey began. Okay. I, there's a couple of, if you like points in my life that I've, um, created catalysts that for me have uh, taken me to where I am today. I guess the early parts, and I was listening to one of your guests uh, earlier on, Dr. Ruchi Misha, um, mm-hmm. and we talked about, you know, what do we as kids, we grow up with this, uh, you know, thing of wanting to be someone, wanting to have significance, wanting to have some belonging. And um, that, in a lot of ways, also was where my journey first started. And um, I had a lot of challenges with my father in trying to, and being an eldest uh, with other siblings, it's where do you be, where are you important, where is yourself? And, you know, I was never the the golden child or anything like that. And um, my father, he was my father, regardless of what he was, he was a man who had uh, a bit of violence and temper in him, and he and I went head to head, and uh, and I came to a point where at one stage in my life, I removed myself from him, 
right? And it was basically this. I said one of the starting points in my life is if you can't stand or be in something that does not grow you, remove yourself and grow on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the second part of my life, as I said, is one of recently is where um, I believe I had probably the most greatest catalyst in my life was uh, during COVID. And again, I'm not saying mine is anything less or more important than others who have gone through. Um, but it was a catalyst for me. I lost my job uh, with a, a company that I'd worked for a number of years. I've lost my father. I lost my partner of 20 years, who I thought was my soulmate. Uh, I lost my mother. Um, so it was, you know, emotionally for me, um, a massive um, hit. It was almost, if I describe it, um, you know, somebody taking a knife running through your stomach and pulling your inwards out. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I found, which, um, and again, you talk about female and talk about female archetype here, is three people who had a great influence in my life was my mother, my grandmother, my aunt. And they taught me a lot of things. And one of them was to be resilient, to be the survivor. Mm -hmm. Go with the flow. And as my grandmother always said, go with the flow. So I, I decided, well, you know, one of the things I looked at and said, well, I can feel, I am in a dark place, but I can feel the light. Mm. Yeah. And, and it is those catalysts that grew me into being the person I am. But I also felt that I have what I can give back. And that also stuck me to the journey of creating uh, Barrington Management Consulting is where I can through the work I do, through my experiences, through my knowledge, and through, importantly, my connections, uh, support people in growing. Because if you hadn't have been through all of those adversities and challenges, you really wouldn't be the man that you are today. I'm a firm believer in what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And I'm sure that it's difficult uh, in the pecking order, you being the oldest, a lot of responsibility, uh, you are the prototype <laughs> for parenting. Let's try out everything on the first child. And, you know, then we'll figure it out with child two and child three by child four. I mean, you know, they're soft as baby shit. If <laughs> they should get away with anything at that point, you know, but it's tough. And to have everything extracted from you, your job, your partner, your father and your mother, um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have the resilience that you have. And I know there was a lot of soul searching. Um, there was a lot of questioning. You know, grief comes in many different forms. And then it's contingent on the person. I know I had a grief session today that my brother was a musician, very well known here in the, uh, the United States, a singer. And one of his songs came on the radio today. And I listened to every single word and it told our story. And we had a very tumultuous relationship. But uh, the, the 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 chorus was, I'll be good to you. And I get emotional when I think about it. So I can only imagine what you've been through. But now you have all of this and you have two daughters to share this with. What are you pouring into them about what you've been through in the last three, four years? I think in many ways, um, they have both seen me through my greatest vulnerability. My eldest through my first marriage, my second through my second marriage. Um, and both of them in, in many ways also supported me to grow in, in a lot of ways. And uh, one of the key things 
that I try and share with them is um, the importance of love. And it's not just love as in a romantic thing, but love to me together with anger is probably two of the most strongest emotions or strongest mm -hmm. drivers we as human beings can have. Yes. We can create and we can destroy. Yeah. And um, I, and again, it's something else I, I try and practice. It's love. Give love and it will grow. It will grow in not only in yourself, um, but even those around you. Because, you know, many people, you talk to some of the people who've, uh, of, you know, fabulously wealthy, fabulously famous. What is the key thing? Love what you do. Love what you do. Right. Yeah? And that's the, the key thing. But life is a uh, back and forth. It is a love-hate relationship. Hate is a very strong word. Love has a lot of responsibility, um, has a lot of uh, expectations. And do you believe in unconditional love? Um, now, that's a toughie, all right? Yes, I do. But then are we capable of that? I Well, you know what? I love your authentic answer and your honesty because I struggle with that. I really do. Because there's contingencies on my love. When I get to heaven, they're going to pull me to the side. And, you know, I'm going to have to check the box. <laughs> I know. But it is, you know, it just depends on where you're coming from. If you are cruel to me, if you are, uh, you hit me, you're, you've hurt my family. My conditions on that love has changed. It's not that I don't like you. I like you. I'll tolerate you. But to put that big four-letter word in front of it, I don't know. So when you talk about emotional fitness, that's some heavy lifting. That's a lot of weight. Define what emotional fitness means to you. Um, okay. <clears throat> so many times emotional fitness and emotional intelligence tend to get mixed up in a lot of ways. So to me, the clarity is, is emotional intelligence is about knowing yourself but also knowing and having an empathy for others around you whereas an emotional fitness is about developing a capability of having a resilience in with your emotions to be able to deal with life's uncertainties it is not saying that you'll overcome every uncertainty but giving you like you know somebody who's an athlete they go through a fitness regime and they have a certain amount of resilience and confidence, I think is probably the word I would use, to know that if I'm going to attempt something, um, be it you know a marathon or whatever, I know I have the capacity and the capability of doing it. Now, we may not finish it, but at least we have that confidence in ourselves to know, yes, we can do that. And that's what, um, you know, I mean, it's dealing with life's uncertainties with a sense of resilience in yourself. It is. Um, that bounce back. A lot of people don't have it um and it's an expectation people will quickly say oh just get over it or let it go but when we have trauma in our life tragedies adversity it's loss again that's a part of our dna at this point that's a part of who we are how do we move forward how do we dig deep and be able to put this on the back burner and forge ahead. 
It's a toughie because, you know, you're, again, uh, living up to the expectations of your environment, your society around you, right? We said, let it go, and especially for males. Men, uh, you know, men don't cry. Why the hell not? Right. Right? Why don't we cry? And I've known many, many men and even some clients where the greatest true people, the boy, they, they could not share that. But, oh, men don't cry. Oh, men don't do this. Men don't do that. But why not? Well, because it, I think it starts very early on with these gender roles. And we have seen that shift in the last 10 years. That paradigm has shifted where um, now you don't want to tell your son that he can't play with a doll. You don't want to tell your daughter that she can't uh, play with a truck. Um, you don't want to tell your son that he's not able to cry. You don't want to tell your daughter, don't be a tomboy. Society has set us up to where we are defined in these gender roles. That's just been our makeup. But now as you see, the world is evolving where transgenders are living a more open, fluid life. Uh, the children, they don't even want to be considered male or female. They want to be non-binary. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, you know, but it, it's it's your sexuality. Your sexuality is between your legs. Your gender identity is between your ears. And society has conformed us to believe in this and all of these things that need to go along with a male or a female that a male cannot cry or he's soft or he's, you know, he's a, he's a sissy or he doesn't have a backbone. You know, I think that that's one of the most sexiest things. I don't want to see you cry too much now, (laughs) but, but to see a man show again, his vulnerability, I think that that's very attractive because that shows his side. Also women are, uh, very strong where they say, well, I don't need a man and I don't need this. I'm an independent woman. I am a feminist. Okay. Well, you know, if that's working for you, me, I don't want to be in a relationship that somebody doesn't need me, that doesn't want me. You know, it's, it's that what society has set us up. And I, sometimes I think that they set us up for failure because they not have allowed us the space to, to, to expand and to grow and to experiment with other things. The world is evolving. I mean, you know, once upon a time, they thought the world was flat. True. Um, but also, have we forgotten what it was like to be a child? You know, when oh. we children, you know, we, there's a time in, in most children's life, you know, and, and parents will go, oh, damn, they're going through this bloody why stage, right? And it's always, why, why, why? And the question for the why is not so much is when we use the word why as an adult, we are basically uh, judging or we're either blaming someone or we're shaming. And whereas as a child, we don't, right? We are curious. curious. We want to know what, I think, what is the purpose of that? If I... You know, why shouldn't I walk across the road? Well, not so much. Why shouldn't I walk across the road? What is the purpose of me walking across the road? Or what is the purpose of me not walking across the road? 
Absolutely. And I think in a lot of ways, we as society have forgotten them. And you touched upon a couple of points, and I, I can tell you that there are certainly some wonderful conversations we can have uh, on those things. But for me, I've sort of, as I said, over the last couple of years in my, if you like, recovery uh, stage and healing, I've come across a simple phase of no JBS. And by that, I mean, it's no judgment, no blame, no shame, right? And that starts from you. I don't care who you are or what you are, and even without even going into the religious concept, no one has the right to judge. No one has the right to blame and no one has the right to shame. And by that, I mean is you may do something, but you've done it for your choice and for your reasons, right? In the same way I may have. Now, I may have done something where you may consider, oh, that's wrong. But is it wrong for you or wrong for me? Right. See? So, it, and that's something also that I try and you know, practice. And I'm, I must admit, when we're all flawed, and we don't always do everything that we try to do. But it's something I try and encourage the people that I work with and support through their leadership is we are not perfect. When we are perfect, we're dead. Right. We need to grow. And in order to grow, we should not judge. We should not blame or shame. We should learn. And the only way you can learn, or one of the ways I believe you can learn, is by keeping an open mind. No judgments, no blame, no shame. Well, now, see, there's there's a conversation to be had there because I do judge. And I'm not all my judgments are negative. That doesn't have to be a negative word. But my judgment is based upon my life experience, is based upon my limitations, is based upon my boundaries, is based upon trust. I'm not a very trusting person, okay? Uh, when I meet you, you get about 65%. You can ratchet up or ratchet down. That is my safety zone. That's, again, that's not any anything negative against someone else. It is protection for myself. Shaming. I'm not with that. Blaming, I'm not with that either. I'm about taking responsibility for my actions. If I do something, I'll be the first one to call myself out and say, you know what, April, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. Don't do it again. Shaming, I think that that's weak and shallow hmm. because you're trying to belittle another individual. And that's what people do now. They want to belittle you. They want to make you feel small. They want to make you feel insignificant. But all that really is, in my opinion, is insecurity. The perfectionist, the person that just wants everything just, you know, perfect, perfect. You leave no room, no margin for error. There's something flawed about that. You know, you're working so hard to uh, put on this persona. I call it the imposter syndrome. Because nothing is perfect. Everything mm. can be approved on. A diamond, a pot of stew, your personality, your relationships, everything can be improved. And people just don't want to do that anymore. They want to force you to think the way that they think. That's why we're in this big kerfuffle here. You know, mm. our last uh, <laughs> our last president, I can't even call the name. 45 was a cold piece. Mm. Dictator, you know, just 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 do what I say. And, you, you know. and then everybody just started to fall in line. 
You know, again, that pecking order. Something's wrong with that, Barrington. How do we adjust that? You actually touched on a couple of really good points here. One of the things you said is you said I'm judgmental or I have a, a, an ability to be judgmental. But you also then went on to say is what has brought you to that point? And I, can I suggest rather than it being a judgment, it's a perception in that you have the perception you have is based on, as you, you've talked about it, your experiences, your beliefs, your meaning that you're given to a feeling that you have or an emotion that you've experienced. What is the triggers that have done? So I don't feel that you're being judgmental. Rather, I'm feeling that you have arrived at a perception. And as Dr. Wayne Dwyer says, is change the way you look at the world and the world will change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you went on to then go on to say, is, you know, you talk about trust. You have a 60% or there about trust. Now, you can either go up or down. And again, that is based on what you're saying is my perception. And if I change my perception of you and I, and I change it because your behavior or your expression or your communication with me allows me to change my mindset. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, it gives me. So I wouldn't say it's judgmental in that sense. It is rather a a state of perspective or perception you've arrived at. But again, also with perspective, it's just momentary, right? It's a, it's reality of a second because reality always changes. Right. It, it's, yeah. it's fluid. It's always right. evolving. But if people are stuck, there's a lot of people that are stuck. They don't mm-hmm. want to do the work or they'll come to you and they think that you have the magic wand and you're going to fix them. They don't do the work. You've done the work. I do the work. And we've got the battle scars, but we feel much better once we've been through that and we've come out on the other side. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. And again, you know, for me, one of my challenges has been in, in moving into uh, this new journey that I'm taking in my life, uh, or new part of my journey I'm taking in my life. I spent a considerable amount of my life as a consultant. A consultant is there to provide you with counsel, and many times people expect you to have the answer for it. You're a consultant. I'm paying you to give me the answers. Right? Yet, as a coach, it's a different mindset. You know. And somebody once asked me, "Well, how do you describe yourself as a coach?" And I said, "Well, think of, you know, one of the most elaborate or the most not just expensive, but one of the most grandiose buildings or." structures you can ever think of, and that's your life. Right? I'm the doorman. Mm. I see myself as a doorman. I open the door and in, invite you in right? for you to discover. I will open windows. I will open doors. But it's for you to look at it and walk into it and experience it. Mm. See, And that's the, the, the key thing is, are we strong enough to take and look at ourselves first? Now, it's all about ourself. Now, people go, that's selfish. Oh, but what do you think about yourself? You know, you love yourself. Well, hang on. If you don't love yourself or you don't know yourself, how do you expect to know others? How do you expect? If you can't love you, how can you expect me to love you? Or I'll ask another question, which is something I asked someone who I was dating. I said, you know, what part of you? And they said, oh, I don't love all of me. I said, well, what part of you you don't want me to love? Hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
And again, if you don't know how the appliance works, it'll never, it'll never get fixed. It'll never feel good. There's a lot of people out there, Barrington, that don't even know what good love feels to them. It's subjective. Some people like a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> Some people like to be left alone. Some people want to be in the in the comfort of others. They don't understand what their love feels like. They have to grow into that. And it's scary. It is. It is very scary because a lot of times, as, and you touched on the point just a second ago, it's the meaning you give it. Now, you and I could be served the same bowl of ice cream, right, made from the same container that it was, and you might feel something totally different to what I do. And I may give it a totally different meaning to what you do. You may give it absolute joy. You're in bliss. I may go, this is crap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is about the meaning we give our emotions. Yeah. And when we change those meanings, our emotions change. And in changing our emotions, our lives change. Well, I think it's difficult, too, because we have these outside influences that contribute to that. What the mother's going to think? How am I serving my children? What am I doing for my community? Uh, what is the boss going to think? You know, it's all of these other think tanks that pour into you and make you not full, but really drain you and make you an, in, uh, an empty reservoir. And so what I ask people to do is just to hold that container just for a minute and do some self-evaluation. Do a brain dump. I love to do a brain dump. I'll get stickies and a whiteboard and everything that's on my mind. I'll just put it out there. And then I'll go back and look at it in a couple of days and I see that there's a story, that there's a pattern. And is it leading in the same direction? Is this an area that I need to consult with someone like Barrington on? to say, you know what? I keep coming across the same situation over and over and over again. How can I break through? How do you help your clients break through? It's one thing to get you through the door, okay? It's like a great meditation, you know? You're going through that door. It is a rite of passage. But when I'm on the other side, coping with that, dealing with that, uh, and, and um, engaging with that, that's a different experience within itself. That's very true. Before I answer that, can I just share something with you in, in relation to one of the points you raised? Um, very early in the period of time that after my um, partner of 20 years left, I was going to a shopping center where my daughter worked and I was standing there at closing time and listening to the music and the people were just walking past me. And I was actually looking at the crowd. I was looking for my um, wife, right? That I'm sure still my wife. And my daughter came and she saw me and she said, Dad, what are you doing? And I said, Well, I'm looking for your mum. And she goes, She's gone. And I sat there and tears came to my eyes. And she said, Dad, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter because all these people around you, you're just something in the landscape. It don't matter. All that matters is you. Uh, and that actually made me realize that, yes, all this crowd that's going past you, and as you said, in our life, our society, they're there momentarily, right? But do they own your life? 
Yes, they have an influence, but do they own it? All right. And then coming back to what you asked is, how do you get this? I look at it as a very three thing, right? Firstly is awareness, becoming aware. Now, one of the things I did personally myself in both, when I lost both my marriage was the first thing I learned to do was journal. And one of the key things I learned about journaling was I um, took everything that was up here, everything, whether I felt whatever emotion, I just put it down on paper. For me, it was, if you like, part of my healing in that it took what was in here, which is many times driven by your ego, put it in front of you, and I asked myself, is that true or is that bullshit? But the other thing I found, and this is what I found for myself and I encourage with my clients in working with them, is saying, when you look, and as you pointed out, doing a brainstorm, when you look and journal and you go back and reflect on it, what other patterns are you seeing? You know, you're not only just the patterns of your behavior, your thinking, your feeling, your emotions, and what are the triggers? Because everything has a cause and a, and a reaction. So what caused you to be angry? And then if you say a couple of days later, you didn't feel angry. Well, what changed it from that anger or that hate mm -hmm. that you were mm -hmm. feeling to one where you're feeling the joy or you're not feeling that at all? Well, a glass of wine? <laughs> maybe. But what was the pattern that you did, right? right? And is it something that is resourceful? Right. Okay. And it's a similar thing too. It's like, when you, you know, in my, when I was doing something, when we did a project, we do a course implementation or a course review. What did we do well? Right? What didn't we do well? What would we do if we knew about this when we were doing the things? Right? And what the things that we did well, what would we keep on doing? Mm -hmm. And of the things that we didn't do well, are they applicable and should we keep on doing them? or learn how to do that. Right. I think you can use this across everything, not just in your work, but even in your life, even with your relationships. You know, what was it that caused that relationship? And it's again, as you say, brainstorming, removing the emotional baggage, if you like, yes. or the emotional attachment, and let's try and be logical if that's possible. I know it's bloody hard, right? Because this ego will come up out of the back seat and go, hey, you know, let me tell you about the ego. Cause I have an ego coach. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you laugh now. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to turn you on to her after the, the, this interview. It is the most wicked thing I have ever done. And I have worked with some of the best Wayne Dyer, Dr. Phil, Martha Beck, Lisa Nichols, Ellen DeGeneres, I've worked with all of them. Okay, so this is what she taught me, is that you have to feed your ego what it needs. Because if you don't, it is like a suppressed can. The pressure will build up and it will go off. She has taught me techniques that I can go into a boardroom meeting and within about 20 minutes, I can read everyone in the room, but it's to my benefit not to judge them, but to feed them what they need. Sometimes there's a person that wants to hold court. Give them their five or 10 minutes. There's another person that's shy. Honor that. 
there's another person that is, uh, you know, there's got to be the, the, the smartest one in the room. Allow that. And adjust your behavior and your ego to align with what is going on around you. Because the ego is the gateway to the soul. And we have to understand how to manage it, love it, nurture it, feed it, and position it. So that it's not this evil monster that rears up and thinks that it's superior over everyone else. It is an intricate part of your being. And a lot of times people have given it a negative connotation because, oh, well, you're, you're, you're egotistical. Well, that's a part of self-love too, because that ego is a part of who you are. And you have to love every part of yourself. Now, I'm not saying turn it loose. But if it is strategically worked, mastered, it can really be your very best friend. It's your alter ego. It is in your subconscious mind. You know, she has taught me that we have six life purposes, not just one, but six. And what is your driving force? And what is your intention? And, and how are you going to make all of these things work better for humanity? Not just about self. The bigger picture here, brains, okay, not just Barrington, not just April, but everyone under the sound of our voice. Is this conversation going to make it better for you? Is it going to give you one insightful thing that you're going to try that's going to turn your life around? That's what we want to do here on the edge. That's why we have these great conversations. But we've done some deep stuff. Now I want to do some fun stuff. Let's switch it up a little bit. So this is my favorite question. Barrington, DeMonte, if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? Immediately? Comes to my mind? The first yeah. thought? A mixer. A mixer? A whisk? A hand mixer? Or a... No, no, no. One of your, you know, your, uh, what is it? Those kitchen things, the big little thing with a bowl and the what thing when you oh. put your cake and all that. One of those things. Why? Why would you be that? Okay. Um, as you probably gather, I love conversation. Right. Okay. Um, they say God gave you two years and you know a mouth, and I think in my case, He gave me two mouths and years <laughs> as well. Um, I find conversation. You learn a lot, right? Um, it brings, and especially depending on your audience and who you, you're having the conversation with, um, I find I always learn something. And people sometimes learn about me. But I feel the reason I say mix is when you bring all these ingredients together, right, and you put them together, that mixer brings sometimes a very wonderful product. Think of it. If I'm making a cake, I put in various ingredients, right? I mix it, I put it together. What do you have at the end of it? Something that you can make something with. Absolutely. Right. I'll be the refrigerator. I just want to chill. <laughs> <laughs> what brings you the greatest joy? Not your children, not your company, but just a guilty pleasure. What brings you joy? I say life in general. Life in general, um, 
that people go, well, but you've gone through, I said, yes, I've gone through a lot of stuff, but I've also experienced life, I think just life's experiences in general, right? Because each one has something to teach us, something to give us. Um, even if it's, you know, I put something, oh, it was painful for me, uh, or it was emotionally distressing, right? But it still gave me something. Mm -hmm. It gave me an experience. And I think that's what uh, I find gives me a, a lot of joy. It's just pure experience. Okay. You know, even just walking down the street, you learn. And, and for me, I guess probably one thing is, is learning. Learning. Maybe learning rather than like learning. learning. Okay. What is one thing that you love about yourself? Um, my ability to love. Mm. I think that's, you know, I have to thank my the three three people who were very, very important in my life. But that was my mother, my grandmother, my uh, my aunt. But also importantly too, I think my daughters and both my ex-wives. You know, they taught me, uh, even though I experienced grief and pain, they taught me to love and continually keep on loving. Um, and that's given me the resilience to face whatever. I have a, um, a if you like, a sense of um, empowerment in myself. Well, what I hear also is that you've been able to uh, be a bit of a sifter, that you've been able to edit and filter and get the lumps out and make it fluffy because love is ever evolving and it's changing. It's not just one thing. You know, you don't love one thing necessarily like you love another. I'll use children as an example. Mm. You know, you have two children, four children, whatever. Each one of them you love, but you have to love them in a different kind of way based upon the relationship that you have. So, you know, love is, is subjective. That's not that you don't love them equally. And some parents don't love their children equally. I'm not talking about you, me, but uh, let's, Let's keep it 100. They just don't. And some parents aren't cut out to be parents. So, uh, and they've been through a lot too. Like you said, your dad was kind of hard on you. But let's go back and look at epigenetics. Look at how his father or his grandfather was there for him and treated him. You know, you don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I signed up for crazy. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's ingrained in you by society. What um, is your favorite color? Blue. Why? Um, I think probably the two things, ocean, sky. Ocean and sky. Mine is green. I like nature. Uh, I like the forest. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? I think tiger. Tiger, are you a bit of a predator? Mm, if I like something or I love something, I will put everything I have in me to not necessarily get and get is not the right word to use. I think get it, it sounds like a case of possession, and I don't possess, but to achieve it. Okay, that's fair. I'd be a party animal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, indeed. Speaking of a party animal, I have been watching some of your uh, photographs, and you are quite the dancer there. 
tell us a little bit about your dancing. Is that ballroom yeah. dancing that you're doing, or do you just like to do salsa? What are you out there doing? Okay, um, so let's, okay, I've always loved to dance. From very young, I've enjoyed dancing, and I think I grew up, uh, not think, I no, I grew up during the 70s, and my, uh, one of my uncles played in a band, uh, which, you know, did a lot of rock and roll, so we got introduced to that. And just the, the whole thing, and when we grew up, there was no such thing as TV. So the jam sessions were the, the big thing, right? So the Saturday night dances um, and those things, and that brought the community together, that brought us together. So I guess the love of the dance, and even my father was quite a good dancer. So I've enjoyed dancing, though I've, I must admit, I still, still have two left feet. Now, the, the particular instance you're talking about was last year at um, Halloween. We got asked to go for a Halloween dance, uh, and I went with somebody who was very special, but not the person that you saw me dancing with. Because we got up on the floor, and they split everybody up, and they said, okay, you, 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 with this person, this person, this person, get out there and dance. And the idea was to get out there with a the perfect stranger and dance and just enjoy yourself. So I did. Well, you did uh, a splendid job. Thank you. If you had three wishes... Barrington DeMonte, what would they be? I would guess to continue to learn, to grow, to continue to love and enjoy the experiences that I enjoy and experience. And When my time comes to be able to to go knowing that I've given it my best. What are the qualities that you look for in a woman? Give me three. Now you've had, you know, you've had a prototype now. You've been, <laughs> you, you've done it twice now. Now what what is it that colors in your white space? What is it? Okay. That's not just, that anything was done wrong. It was a learning experience and people grow in different directions. But what, we, what are you looking for now? I think someone, or, or, and this is not just a woman, it's anybody in my life. Somebody who can make me the better man that I was yesterday, that I am today, and that will help me grow into the better man that I want to be tomorrow. Right, but you know what? People don't just come into your life to make you grow. You've got to tell them what it is, you know, that you need and that you want. And I say that because I've been married to Mr. Magnificent for 38 years. And it is still a growing process. So, you know, are you looking for, a, you know, a, a smart, independent woman? Are you looking for a, a woman that's a good cook? That's okay. Are you looking for a person that 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 uh, loves to dance? Are you looking for a person that makes you laugh? What are what are some of the characteristics that you may not have gotten before? Because brains for you guys that can't see him, he's a silver fox. Honey. I done told him that a couple times now. Okay, he's a good catch and he's a smart man. But there's something that you're looking for as well. You know, because you're pouring all this, you know, you keep using that big word, love, 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 right? But how do you want to be loved? 
I think coming back to what I said earlier, it's non-judgmental. Somebody who doesn't blame or doesn't shame you, but has no expectations, goes with the flow, um, wants to enjoy and experience life to the fullest. And there are times when we may not, but that's okay. Um, and it's just, I think for me, enjoy life, experience it, learn from it. And in between, if you both can love each other or you can love and share and have all the wonderful things that go with it, great sex or whatever the case may be. Oh, you got to um, have great sex. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> then how do you measure that? Okay, come on. How do you measure that? I'll say, I'll say, you know, you're trying to be all politically correct. I will tell you, you got to be down with the get down. Okay? <laughs> and you have to make me laugh. I, was, I, I love a man that makes me laugh. And my husband, we, we call this thing called macking. You know, it's like a street vernacular. You know, he's got to be able to be witty and he's got to be able to say some things to me that just, you know, or whisper in my ear. My husband can clear his throat. We'll be in a store. I can hear him clear his throat and my heart skips a beat. I can almost, I can almost really feel his car when it comes down the street. You know, when you've been married to someone 38 years, but we were having a, a discussion about our 34-year-old daughter. And he says some things to me that I just, I was shocked. It's just because he was naive. And I'm like, you know, you grew up on the streets of South Central. You've seen a lot of stuff. You've traveled the world. You've been in the military. You know, you, you work in law enforcement, all these things. And he was still very naive. So again, you can never know what you don't know. And I thank you for letting us know all about you. You have been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much, Barrington. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you. Brains, call and get the consultation. You know, if you're there in Australia, if you are in Thailand, he's just a Zoom call away. I want you to go in and get the insight Women, learn to work side by side with a man. It's not a competition. They're not out to get us. And we're not out to do men in. We are human beings. We have to coexist in this world. And the greatest gift that we can give one another is love, no shame, no blame, and a little bit of judgment. <laughs> How can they contact you, Barrington? Okay, very simply, just go to my website, um, barringtonconsulting.com.au. Um, there's a form, just go through, have a look at um, the things that I do and the people I work with. But there's a form, please fill it in. I'm actually updating the website to also set up a calendar entry where you can just book in a time. Please, um, with a form, I will get back to you ASAP and I'll work a time with you. Um, again, it's not going to cost you other than your time and a conversation with me as to how I can support you and more importantly, whether I am right for you in what I can do and what I can serve you with. The other thing with the calendar, which I'm going to be putting up very shortly, is book a time that is suitable to you. Right? doesn't matter if I'm at one end of the world and you're at the other. Book the time. I'll make the time. Okay, I'm here to serve. And corporations, I really want to um, you know, HR directors, uh, upper level management, senior management. There's a lot of people there that are struggling. 
we are in here in the United States in a uh, era of the great resignation. People don't want to go back to work or they don't want to go back to the confines and the structure there was. They want more emotional intelligence. They want to invest in relationship capital. They want to be able to have the flexibility. Work with someone like Barrington that can engage in your um, your employees' well-being. That's a part of your corporate fitness, your emotional fitness, because you're running an organization. People are working from home now, you know, and they thought it was better, but it's worse because now you got the kids and you got all this other stuff going on. You got to cook dinner. All this other stuff is going on there. But when you have a cohesiveness and you have a sounding board, someone that goes in and looks at the emotional fitness of your organization, I think that your company will not only thrive, but it will take it to the next level because that's what people want now. They want to be able to have options and choices and they want to be able to be critical thinkers. So invest in that. And I think that Barrington would be an excellent choice. Thank you so much, my friend, for being here. Come back and see me again. Okay. Yes, we'll certainly uh, do it. Thank you you gotta so come much. to you gotta come to California. I'll turn you loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, your part of the world, I haven't been there yet, but definitely yes. Oh, come you have you've never well, you've been to the United States. I have been. I've been to LA and I've been to San Fran, but I haven't been where you are. Well, you have to come down to San Diego because it's not San Francisco and it's not L.A. And I lived in L.A., so it's a lot different. You will love it. It's beautiful. Thank you, Brains. Uh, you guys can come to San Diego and I'll treat you well, too. Just uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being here on the edge. I need you to like, love, share and subscribe. Like, love, share and subscribe. Share this interview with others just for a great, candid conversation uh, heart to heart. There's about 1,800 other episodes of great people with great information. You know, there's 8 billion people on the planet and we're looking for you. Thank you so much, Barrington, and um, the best to you. You're an awesome Thank guy. Thank you so much, April. Thank you. All right. Bye, Brains. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.